Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Here's a quote for you. You are not a broken object to be fixed. You are a complex puzzle to be unriddled. That's from Veronica Tugaleva, my guest today. She wants to help you become who you are, not who you think you should be or who somebody else told you you should be. And she believes that this shift can occur when we allow self-awareness to creep back into our inner conversation. Are you ready to meet her? Like every human being, Veronica Tugaleva is an ever-changing mystery. At the time of this writing, she was a life coach, world traveler, and award-winning author of two books, The Love Mindset and The Art of Talking to Yourself. She spent her days writing, dancing, singing, running, doing yoga, going on adventures, and having long conversations. But that was then. Who knows what she's doing now? You can keep up with Veronica at veronica.org. I'm going to go ahead and spell that for you. It's V-I-R-O-N-I-K-A dot O-R-G, veronica.org. Veronica, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hey, Karen. Thanks for having me. That's the best darn bio. I read a lot of bios, young lady, and this is that's the best darn bio I think I've ever read. Well, thank you. <laughs> the The subtitle of your book, The Art of Talking to Yourself, is Self-Awareness Meets the Inner Conversation. And as I was reading that, I was kind of thinking to myself, it, isn't that interesting? I wonder in what ways I mistake my inner conversation for self-awareness. We go within and we just listen to whatever is churned up and we go, oh, look, I'm self-aware now because I listened to that <laughs> inner conversation. So what what's the difference? Well, the difference, the biggest difference is that self-awareness to me, I mean, you can use that word to mean anything, right? Different people use it in different ways. But to me, what that word means is um, it's a way of looking. It's a way of seeking truth. It's a way of looking at something as objectively as possible, while also keeping in mind that you are not an objective observer of yourself. It's just really difficult to, to look at ourselves honestly, because there's so many mechanisms within our minds to distort what we see. And the inner conversation is really what you're watching. It's when you look at a certain part of you and you say, okay, for example, you feel hunger, right? Um, that's part of your inner conversation. You get this signal and it says, I'm hungry. But sometimes it's not actually your stomach saying, I'm hungry, right? Maybe you're actually lonely and you eat in order to fill that void. Um, maybe you are just tired and you eat to fill that void. So self-awareness is a method of looking at the things that happen within you. And instead of taking everything at face value, just realizing that it's all going through a translation process and trying as much as possible to just put question marks around all the assumptions that you could possibly make about what it is that's going on in there and being more curious really about why do I feel what I feel? Why do I want what I want? I love that idea about putting question marks around things because we can get so 
addicted to that idea of certainty. I must know the way. This is the way. This is the teacher. This is the answer that we, uh, to me, at least the answers are in those question marks. The answers are in the space in between the, in the question. In my work, I call that like the heart of the reading or the heart of the session. It's when we get into that, oh, that space where it's not certain. There's more going on than just the one way. Right. Absolutely. And I think the most interesting thing is that you can live in that space for a moment and you can get the answer for you today. Right. But then the answer by tomorrow or even in the next few hours, it'll change. (laughs) Um, I mean, I used hunger as an example, and I had so many problems with binge eating when I was a kid. And first it was, you know, eating away loneliness. And then when I grew up, I mean, I was really eating away tiredness. I had uh, lots of insomnia problems and I uh, couldn't decipher those fe- those feelings properly. I couldn't translate them properly. And so every time I wanted to sleep, I didn't feel tired. I just felt these urges to eat something fattening. So I got this answer once upon a time, you know, so whenever I crave to binge eat, then I'm just lonely, but it changes, you know, the meaning of the things we experience changes. And I think not only do we have to be able to put question marks around it today, right now, but to keep questioning the epiphanies we've had. Okay, it was a great epiphany yesterday, but it might not be true anymore tomorrow, right? Well, that's part of what, at least what I think of as awakening, that idea that there is always more. It's what abundance is. There's always more to learn. There's always more insight. There's always more that is received. You are not the same person you were even an eighth of a second after you had that big revelation that you just had, you're different. And part of what to me is about like a healthy spiritual journey is being able to roll with those changes as they happen instead of hanging on with, I don't know, rigidity to the one idea. It's so true. And, you know, that was part of what has driven me to write this book, because from the time that I've spent in self-help, like self-improvement communities, spiritual communities, Uh, There are a lot of people who have had an epiphany, you know, they had an awakening and something happened to them and all these layers of of lies really that they've been telling themselves for years have come off and then they start to label themselves as awakened and transcended. But the awakening actually ended a few minutes or maybe a few days, maybe a few weeks after they had that experience. And now it just becomes an ego trip, right? Look at me. I'm this evolved person and me being evolved as opposed to these other people who aren't evolved and I am evolved. Therefore, you should give me a thousand dollars for my super advanced evolved retreat. And um, I just didn't like how things worked. You know, a lot of it was based on on marketing and ego and not really a lot of it was based on curiosity or just open minded exploration of ourselves, of each other, of what life has to offer. And that was, um, you know, my biggest inspiration with writing this book to just bring that curiosity back again into the self-help sphere, into the spiritual sphere, into the personal development sphere and encourage people to find their own way that, you know, you really are your own best guru (laughs) and you really do have all of these answers inside you. And it's an amazing adventure to find them, right? Uh, It is. Yes, I agree. And it's a, it's an endless 
set of discoveries if you're open to it, if you want to, right? It could be a dead end where you decide that you've had you, the one true revelation and now you're done. But but done with lightness and joy and curiosity, it's like a giant treasure hunt that never, ever ends. I believe mm-hmm. even when we drop our bodies, it never stops. And that, to me, that's where the, that's where the good stuff is, especially in a in a kind of in a time in history and in a society when we label each other based on what do you do or when you mm-hmm. say who are you and being able to answer that question how do we not feed into that sort of ego-based way of defining ourselves especially as we define ourselves to ourselves if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah you know it's an interesting it's an interesting question and i think um there's not really one way Unfortunately, it's really about a mindset because there are a lot of people who would say, even my past self, I would say, okay, just don't define yourself with adjectives or don't define yourself with stationary adjectives or qualities, you know, in order to accept the fact that, you know, you're just this big paradoxical transcended being, don't say things like, I am this, right? But you could avoid saying all of those words, but still have this really static perception of yourself. Right. So I think the answers really lie in having direct experiences of ourselves. Um, I'll give you an example. Actually, I had a lot of body image issues. And the way that I've healed those body image issues was just by facing myself in the mirror and having and observing. So this narrative in my head about how fat and ugly and revolting I was, But at the same time that I was observing that narrative, I was also observing my face in the mirror, which is really just a meaningless bunch of shapes and lines, right? If somebody from Mars were to come and look at my face, it wouldn't have any meaning to them. Even to my partner, to my friends, my face wouldn't have triggered the same meanings. So I was literally just observing myself through these two lenses, this one lens of, okay, this is how my self-judgment sees me, and this other lens of, This is how I'm objectively trying to look at myself. And simply by introducing those two viewpoints to one another, the labels and the judgments that I have of myself, they weakened. So I think um, the only way to overcome kind of these static labels that we have for ourselves is to invite more labels. You know, you just sit on your couch for an entire evening and practice looking at yourself through other people's eyes. Right. So how does my father see me? How does my neighbor see me? How does that person that's rude to me on a regular basis see me? Right. And not with the purpose of saying, oh, this is I'm going to hate myself the same way this person does. But just out of curiosity, here are a thousand perspectives that you could have on who I am. Some people think I'm great. Some people think I'm awful. Some people judge me as this. Other people judge me as that. And I think just by taking those different perspectives on ourselves, has the same effect as, you know, in science, just taking different perspectives on a situation. You know, you learn to see things more holistically and then no viewpoint can really take the lead and become a mental dictator because that's really the problem with both self-judgment and egotism. It's that one idea has taken the podium and is playing dictator and just allowing different ideas into your head, paradoxical ideas like I am both generous and selfish at the same time. I am both of those things sometimes in some moments to some people. Um, Then you can't really have mental dictators if you allow both to exist within you. 
Well, in that you can be uh, paradoxical or contain opposites and have that be okay. <laughs> Which is another part of that, because especially when, let's take generosity, we all want to appear to the world to be generous, incredibly generous. Inside, there might be a stingy part of us that even as we are appearing generous is going, no, hold it back. No, not enough. We might be stingy with ourselves, be stingy in the way we treat ourselves. And so uh, kind of uh, to me, at least healing would begin from holding those opposites and being in the space between and going, okay. This is how I am. This is okay. Now from here, now I can shift. Now, instead of maybe those loops of what I think you're calling self-talk, maybe now we could have some real conversation here. Who am I? Where do I want to go? How am I now? And how is this shaping me? Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm talking in the book a lot about this, about how the balance between two opposing forces, the paradoxes within us, can help us see the truth about ourselves. Because otherwise, um, and I mean, the word balance can be used to measure, to talk about equal parts. And I'm not saying we're all equally generous and stingy. I'm talking about balance as in the coexistence of two opposing forces. You know, putting uh, these two different forces in a room together, putting generosity and selfishness in a room together and saying, you know, you're both useful when you're useful and neither of you are really uh, you can't use them. You can't use you alone. Right. They're like advisors to a larger board. They're members in a larger organization. And there's a time and a place to be selfish and there's a time and a place to be generous. And in order to really experience ourselves as the people that we are and the people that we can be, we have to give ourselves the flexibility to have those different voices within us, to have those different motivations and to say, okay, it's all valid. And at some point or another, it's all useful. Like nothing is bad. Nothing is good. Nothing is like a useless tumor for you to cut out. No feeling is random. And, you know, our society really encourages this, encourages people to try to get rid of things. Like if you have extra fat, get rid of it. But really what I'd like to encourage people to do is ask themselves why, you know, extra fat is a symptom of something. What is the cause? If it is a cause of overeating, well, why do you overeat? Not just because you have no self-control, right? I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason for everything. There are these intricate patterns of people meeting essential needs with the wrong things, right? Like what I was saying before, where you're actually tired, but you eat, you can't get enough food if you want to sleep. <laughs> if the actual need is sleep, you could eat your entire fridge and it will never be enough, right? And uh, being able to open yourself up to all those possibilities that maybe you're interpreting your needs in different ways. Maybe you have uh, these ideas about your identity that are really static or that really favor one side of two paradoxical extremes when really you could invite both. Um, I think it can be really helpful to helping people get out of these roles that they're playing, not just with other people, but with themselves playing this role of I am this kind of person and I'll be stuck being that kind of person. It's really about opening our minds to being any kind of person we need to be whenever we need to be it. Right? You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Veronica Tugaleva. Her new book is The Art of Talking to Yourself, Self-Awareness Meets 
The Inner Conversation. You can find out more about Veronica and her work at veronica.org. That's V-I-R-O-N-I-K-A dot O-R-G. That idea of looking at ourselves as we really are, which of course is looking at ourselves as we really are in that moment. Oh, missed it. Oh, here we are now. Oh, missed it. Here comes the next one, right? So being present with ourselves as we are always changing and doing it with compassion feels to me like a key component in in your work. Can you say a little bit about that balance between compassion and, it maybe balance isn't the right word, the connection between compassion and harshness because a lot of times at least speaking for myself my self-talk is really harsh why did you do that what's the matter with you what were you thinking there's without compassion we can't even get underneath that there's no room to put in a question mark if we're just shouting at ourselves all the time right it's so true um and i think compassion and harshness are both just um, like the advisors that I was speaking about before. They're just voices in the inner conversation. And I think self-awareness, um, I imagine self-awareness being like a little person, like a little truth seeker inside each of us who's sitting at the head of this table. And it's a round table. And all around the table, there's all these different other voices. You know, there's compassion, there's um, author- authoritativeness or um assertiveness, sorry, and uh, you have sadness, you have anger, you have all different emotions, all different behaviors. And uh, self-awareness is just sitting there and listening to everybody, not necessarily with um, this overbearing compassion where they just want to save anger from itself, you know, just quiet, just quiet and listening to everybody and trying to figure out, okay, how can I make these people work together? like real leadership and doing whatever it takes in order to make them get along with each other. So I think um, I've done some, so I've done life coaching with, with people one-on-one for, for years now, but I've also done some coaching with two people, which is different, right? When you've got two people, then they need to hear things in a different way. And sometimes being really sweet and nice and listening and saying almost nothing is the answer, but sometimes stepping in and saying, okay, um, I don't actually think that that was fair, what you just said to this person. Do you think it's fair? Uh, That's also leadership, right? And that's something that I think our inner truth seeker has to be able to do. Coming from a place of self-awareness is being able to uh, speak to the voices within us however they need to be spoken to in order to try to understand each other. Like I know that my self-judgment, if I just direct that part of me in a healthy way, like editing. Uh, I started doing more editing, just um, not just for myself, because like I've been a writer for a long time and people always ask me to edit their work, but now I've just started actually going out and editing like in my spare time, because I noticed that when I'm editing, my self-judgment is so low because that's my critical faculty. And if I use my critical faculty every day in order to do things that it's good at, you know, like make, uh, uh, not 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 just editing words, but you know it can make Excel spreadsheets. Like this thing can do a lot. It can organize cupboards. <laughs> it's got a really good, really good little voice up there that just wants to organize things and have them be um, in, engaged in a process of always perfecting something, trying to analyze it. If I just use that part of me every day toward helping myself or helping somebody else, 
then I'm not likely to go and stand in front of the mirror and judge myself or beat myself up for everything that I just said to a person. And when that part of me does come up in an inconvenient situation, sometimes in my head, I'm like, where were you two hours ago when I needed you to do this task? Maybe next time we're going to do the task, I will put you to use. And then that part of me goes quiet. Mm. Is that compassionate? Is that the nicest way I could say it? It's not the nicest way, but I think that voice inside me that does speak to me harshly, sometimes it needs to be spoken to harshly in order to kind of remember its place in the larger scheme of things. And that's been um, a huge part of my own development as a, just as a person and a coach and a friend and a girlfriend and a daughter is understanding that uh, it's, it's not always about sitting quietly and letting things go on. Sometimes it is about standing up and being harsh and maybe even saying a few swear words and doing what it is that needs to get done and being a flexible human being who is full of the soft, full of the hard, and who knows when to pull it out and who knows how to forgive themselves when it's the wrong time to pull it out, right? <laughs> I know that you've said that this will be your last self-help book and I'd like for you to say more about that because you've got a you're on a you got a mission there <laughs> yeah it was interesting because when I first started writing the art of talking to yourself was immediately after my first book the love mindset and it was just a book about improving your self-talk and nothing more I mean it didn't really have all of these self-awareness concepts in it and it certainly didn't encourage people as much as it does now to um, find their own way. And as I began writing this book, I was undergoing some questions about my work. You know, what is the, what is the role that I actually have in helping people? I mean, in coaching people, am I supposed to give them the answers? Am I not? Am I supposed to have advice for people or am I not? And as I've been going through that journey and as I've been realizing how much of a role consumerism plays in self-help, I've, uh, I got you know, inflamed with this passion to write a book that inspires people to look within and to use their own wisdom. And it doesn't mean they need to stop reading self-help books. It's just about reading those books and experiencing these materials as, you know, advisors sitting around a table. But to remember, there's somebody at the head of the table, right? There's somebody at the head of the table listening to all these different viewpoints who's going to make decisions about what is and isn't right for you, what does and doesn't work. And introducing people to that part of themselves, to their inner truth seeker, I decided to write a book that just explained, I mean, everything that I've experienced in this domain. And uh, as I've been trying to write, uh, trying to write a really truthful mirror of the human experience, it's interesting how marketing has played a role in how the book has turned out, because I know quite a bit about marketing. And uh, what a lot of marketing for self-help will tell you to do is you know, tell people there's 10 steps to happiness, give them nine. And then number 10 is go and pay me $300 for my three day retreat. And then at the three day retreat, then we'll give you like the five aspects of your whole being and your um, everything that you need. And then the fifth aspect is you need one on one coaching with me. And the and the formula guiding most self self help right now is you sell people on independence, but breed dependence. Because if you help somebody heal, you're losing a customer. 
And what I really wanted to do was break through that model and not only break through it, but also show people that this is what a lot of um, self-help models are based on. Not because the people teaching them are bad, not because there are like evil people out there, but just because that's how you make money. That's how money is made. And we live in a capitalist society, right? So after I had written this book, you know, I just start, I just realized that I had said everything I have to say, like on this topic, (laughs) in that book, I said everything that I could say because I wanted to tell people everything that I thought. I wanted to provide all the metaphors, all the frameworks and all the stories. I mean, I tell a lot of very personal tear jerking stories from my life. And I realized, you know, this is this is it. This is the step 10. Like if this if I'm really providing everything I have to offer there is no three day weekend. You know, there is, there is nothing after that. Um, I mean, I still love coaching because I'm there as like a guide beside people, but I don't tell them I have the answers. I don't, you know, give them advice on, I don't like write books for them. So I realized that while I love coaching and while I love writing, I just couldn't, I would be so out of integrity with myself if I ever wrote another self-help book. And it was it was tough for me to make that decision, but it it felt and it still feels so right because mm. I've been writing, you know, fiction and poetry, and uh, even just about my own experiences for a really long time. And um, I know that I can do that kind of writing. I have been doing that kind of writing, and uh, I just feel like when you feel like something's right, and then it's not exactly the most financially smart thing to do, I think there's glory in doing that, you know, there's something, there's pride in doing that and saying, I'm going to do it because it's right, not because it's fiscally responsible or because it's good marketing, right? Because I think it's right. And I'm glad that you came on the show today to, to share that sense of rightness. It's in, it's in your book. And it's something that I think is important for people to feel into as they make their own way. Your answers are inside you. Don't let anyone tell you you don't know. Use the tools to grow and to advance, but don't let anyone tell you that they have all the answers. I think you're absolutely right. Veronica, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. That's Veronica Tugaleva. Her new book is The Art of Talking to Yourself. Self-awareness meets the inner conversation. You can find out more about Veronica and her work at veronica.org. That's V-I-R-O-N-I-K-A dot O-R-G. And of course, you're always welcome to frolic over to KarenHager.com and find out what's happening in my world. Thank you for listening today. Together, we're spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.